Well, good evening, good evening, good evening. For all those watching by ISN Network, we want to say welcome. Welcome to week 119 of the North Georgia Revival right here in Dawsonville, Georgia. All those watching by ISN, those watching by Facebook Live, would you do us a favor? Would you call someone? Would you share this Facebook page, this post with other friends? Come on, go ahead and throw yourself a watch party. Share it with as many people as you know. Go ahead and use that chat window, that comment section. Let us know where you're tuning in from, what city, what state, what country. Every week we have people watching from all over the world, so let us know where you're watching from. Hey, go ahead and call for all the family. Get all the family into the living room. We are just honored to be with you tonight on this beautiful Sunday here in Dawsonville, Georgia. Welcome to the North Georgia Revival. My name is Marty Derricott. I'm the executive pastor right here at Christ Fellowship Church. And even though we just have a handful of people here in the house, it is an honor to be coming into your house or your car or at the park or at the beach, wherever you're watching from. We just want to say welcome to this place. Stay tuned for a great message from Pastor Don Allen from the church at War Hill. His team is here to help guide us in worship tonight. Would you take your Bibles right where you are? Go to Isaiah chapter 64. This is going to be a great evening. God is going to move mightily right there in your homes. God's going to do something great in your family, in your finances. We believe for a great evening right here and in your home. Isaiah 64 verse 1 says this. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains might quake at your presence, as when fire kindles brushwood and the fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries, and that the nations might tremble at your presence. When you did awesome things that we did not look for, you came down. The mountains quaked at your presence. For of old no one has heard or perceived by the ear. No eye has seen a God besides you who acts for those who wait for Him. Come on, lay your Bibles down as we prepare our hearts for a time of worship. Just lay your Bibles down. Just go ahead, and even now, just lift your hands right there where you are. We encourage you tonight. Just don't be a spectator. Jump on in and be a participator. Don't let time and space separate you. Get in on what God's doing right here. Let Him do it at your house. All over the world, we lift our hands to you. Lord Jesus, we ask you to come. Lord, just as the water boils when the fire hits it, sit down tonight. Sit down in homes. Sit down in vehicles. Sit down in people's bedrooms. Sit down in office spaces. Sit down on those beaches. Sit down on back porches. Lord, let the fire of God consume us tonight. We lift our hands, we lift our hearts, and we set our gaze upon you. In Jesus' name, we worship you, Lord. Lord, who's ready to worship tonight? I was buried beneath my shame.
receiving emails all over uh, from all over the world of people that are wanting to know when the North Georgia revival is going to open up again when are we going to start having services on Sunday night well I had the answer June the 21st June the 21st we're going to open up our building to host the world and you're going to be able to come and experience the glory of the Lord and revival in person June the 21st. Now that is Father's Day weekend. And for those of you that know about uh, church and revival history, that was the day that the Pensacola outpouring started with Steve Hill and John Kilpatrick. So please, please make sure, make plans right now, June the 21st, 
to get here to Dawsonville, the North Georgia Revival. We're going to be opening up the building. The baptismal waters are going to be opening. I'm telling you, already we're baptizing on Sunday mornings here at Christ Fellowship Church. Today was electric. I'm telling you, the power of God met people in the water, and it will be no different on June the 21st. So go ahead and get a group, a van load, bring your church leaders, get them here. Also, on August the 8th, August the 8th, our men's conference. Yep, we went ahead and put that on the calendar. Our dear friend David Hogan will be with us. David Hogan will be at a men's conference right here to North Georgia Revival, August the 8th. Then he'll be preaching here at Christ Fellowship in the morning of the 9th and also our special guest for the Sunday night revival service that evening at 6 p.m. So that's August the 8th, August the 9th, and then a holdover to the Caneo Ministry Training Center we're opening up not only for our students, but the entire public to come for two, listen, two hours of revelation and impartation from David Hogan. So mark your calendars. That's the 8th, 9th, and 10th. Oh, and then this may be my favorite. We're having our third annual pastor's conference here at the North Georgia Revival. That is September 14th and 15th. Two special guests that are going to be here with us, John Kilpatrick, from uh, the Brownsville Assembly of God now, the Church of His Presence in Alabama. But also, David Giamona is going to be here. He is a corporal in the Army. He's a retired, excuse me, a retired colonel in the Army. will be here helping us with the pastor's conference. So this is for not only pastors, but leaders. If you're in leadership in any capacity at your church, we want you to be a part of that. Now, you can go to eventbrite.com and look for the North Georgia Revival Pastors Conference or go to cfchurch.tv, cfchurch.tv, and register. Both the Men's Conference and the Pastors Conference and Leaders Conference need your registration. So please be much in prayer for those events. But listen, June the 21st, Father's Day, we want to see you here. Now, it's that time that we're going to receive an offering and so thankful that many of you are continuing to support the North Georgia Revival with your gifts and your offerings. It helps us so, so much. Just to let you know from, for, uh, from our perspective, some things that have been going on behind the scenes during this break, if you will, the COVID-19 uh, sequestering with this sheltering in place. We've taken this moment, this season, to better our baptismal experiences and encounters in the water. Uh, we spent several, several, several thousands of dollars on improving uh, the encounter that you're going to have with the Lord. So if you can help us in any way, partner with us. Uh, some of you, this may be your very first time to give and to sow a financial seed into the ministry. I'm here to tell you that God's going to bless you. He's going to reward you because if you sow into the kingdom, you're going to be able to not only reap from the Lord, but you're going to reap from the kingdom as well. And so please take advantage of that. Have multiple ways to give. You can give by texting. It's going to come up on the screen. A very secure way that you can give uh, any size amount that you feel led to give. On top of that, you can give a check. You can write a check to Christ Fellowship Church. The address is going to come up on the screen. That is 139 Hightower Parkway, 139 Hightower Parkway, Dawsonville, Georgia, 30534. So we appreciate you partner with us. You know, we're not asking for a few people to do a lot. We're asking for a lot of people to do something. And what you do will make a difference. And we're excited about that. 
Well, it's my privilege tonight to be able to introduce to you a dear friend. I love this man. The more and more that we are together, the more and more that we hang out, I'm just understanding more about the depth of his love for Jesus and his passion for the people of God. You see, he pastors a church about three and a half to four miles from ours. At one time, our relationship was very rocky. Our churches were not on the friendliest of terms. But when revival hits your community and revival hits your church, those particular issues become minimized. And God wants you to bring restoration and reconciliation. And that's what happened between the two of us and even our churches. And I like to say it this way. My people are his people and his people are my people. And we're pastoring this area together. And I tell you, every time he preaches, the presence of God falls into the building and it will be no different for you tonight. Right where you are, you're going to receive healings and breakthroughs, salvations to your loved ones. God's going to move. And I am thankful that I have my dear friend here tonight at the North Georgia Revival to preach to us and for us, Pastor Don Allen at the Church of War Hill. So would you make him feel welcome? Pastor Don Allen, may God bless you. Love you, my friend. Obey the Holy Ghost. Well, amen. God is so, so good to us tonight and so thankful. You know, I want to rejoice because this morning uh, we had 16 people give their life to Jesus Christ in our services, and I was absolutely thrilled and just so excited about bringing this message tonight, and I know that we're excited about uh, seeing those baptisms that we're going to be revisiting, and I'm looking forward to all that God has in store. And what an honor it always is to stand in this pulpit in this house. And, and God's been setting us up tonight. You know, I, I preached a message this morning on the blessing of God. And I, I thought, you know, that's what I want to bring for, for revival time. That's, that's the message I want to bring. But uh, another message began stirring in my heart. And as that was stirring in my heart, I said, Lord, I, I just, um, I'm torn. I'm torn. And so last night while I was sleeping, I dreamed I was preaching this message to you while I was sleeping. And so uh, I thought, well, that's a pretty good sign for a hard-headed person that uh, God's trying to talk to. And so, but, uh, you know, while we were worshiping uh, tonight, I want, you to, I want you to go ahead and begin to seek the face of God for what God's going to do in this place on uh, Father's Day evening. I, I sense something in the atmosphere I sensed a, a trembling, as it were, in, in the very uh, uh, place that we are standing as, as something is about to happen. Listen to me. I believe something is about to happen that, that, that what we have seen has just been a foreshadowing of what God has for us. You see, it's been, it's been building for years. Now, I, I get the distinct honor to have uh, been the pastor in this community uh, for the revival pastors to have been here the longest. And I don't even know that all of those that are involved in the revival know what I'm about to share with you, but we're standing in an old factory. This factory has been converted into a beautiful state-of-the-art facility. And as we're standing here, I'm reminded of what happened on the first moment they walked through the old factory and decided that they were going to seek God about turning it into a church. 
A small group of people gathered in that old factory, and as they, they gathered, they began to pray. And they said as they began to pray, and listen to me, I'm, feel, I'm feeling a trembling happening. I'm, I'm, feeling, I'm feeling something happening in the atmosphere. And as they began to pray, they said as it, it was as if there was a wind began to move inside of this building, and every door on the building literally exploded open as the presence of the Holy Spirit came in. Now you listen to what I'm about to tell you tonight. The anointing of God that's building in this place, the enemy thought he had shut the doors for revival, but the Spirit of God is about to break the doors back open, and there's going to be a move of God like we could have never expected. I'm believing that God is up to something, and God is going to do something special through the days that are ahead of us. I want to pray over the Word, and then I want to take you quickly to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 19, and I want to share with you a passage that I've had a trouble understanding, that I've had, I've had a hard time processing as a student of the Scripture. Father, tonight as I prepare to bring this Word, Lord, you, you showed me, as it were, last evening that people were needing to hear the truth that we're about to receive from your Word. Lord, we, we have been, we have had many things that have been spoken over our lives. There have been many fearful situations in this hour that we live in that have been spoken over our lives. There, Lord, there, there's, there's so much input being given toward us and so much being uh, uh, sent our direction. Lord, I pray tonight. That, that instead of listening to all the outside influences, that we'll allow the spirit of the living God that's within us to rise up. Speak to us now. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen and amen. I'm just going to follow the Holy Spirit for just a few moments tonight. Again, I don't want to plan uh, to preach too long, but I, I, I usually plan not to preach too long and usually fail at my plan. But let me, let me just tell you what I'm feeling in my spirit. Several decades ago now, we had a, an invention that, that came to dwell in our homes. And that invention that came to dwell in our homes was a, 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 an item that had glass on the front, the knobs on the glass, and antennas coming out of that. And, and how many of you remember back when you were a child and, and, and you used to have to stand there and hold the antenna and put one foot up in the air, and, and, and if you held your mouth just right, you might be able to get the show because uh, you were trying to uh, tune in. And the television became a, a part of our everyday lives. And it began to dictate to us standards, and we began to see things that, that we had never dreamed we would see. It started with uh, 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 Lucy and Ricky on television and, and, and the, the way that they wouldn't even show the, the, the room on the other side of the living room. The, uh, and then there was a scandalous moment when they actually uh, took you into that, that, that bedroom area, and there were two beds sitting in there. And we, we've seen all these, these things go to a, a standard that has, has fallen and fallen and fallen and fallen. And, and, and these, these, these boxes have began to, to grow smaller and now they fit on our walls and, and we carry them even yet in our pockets and, and on every single one of them there, there are talking heads trying to dictate to us who we are. They're trying to tell us whether or not we should be afraid in an hour like this. They're trying to tell us how we should respond in an hour like this. Let me just tell you what I feel in my spirit tonight. I want the voice of God in an hour like this. I, I need a word from the Lord in an hour like this because heaven or hell might seem to be shaken by the world's standards, but the word of the Lord shall stand forever. And if you're founded on the word of God, then there's hope for you. 
You know, our families didn't match up to the cleavers, and so we felt like we had failed. And nowadays, we watch some of the shows, and we don't feel like a failure. We feel like a success because our families don't match up to some of the families on that talking box that we listen to those talking heads on our walls. Well, keep that in mind for just a moment, and I want to talk to you about 1 Samuel chapter 19, and 1 Samuel chapter 19 begins a, an interesting passage of Scripture. Verse number 11 reads like this, then Saul sent troops to watch David's house. They were told to kill David when he came out the next morning. And the name here is Macal. It's like you would say a Macaw. It's, it's not Michael as most would pronounce it. It's Macal. But Macal, David's wife, warned him. If you don't escape tonight, you will be dead by the morning. So she helped him climb out through a window. And he fled and escaped. Now this is the part that has, that has upset me in my studies. Then she took an idol. Notice this. Then she took an idol and put it in his bed and covered it with blankets and put a cushion of goat's hair at its head. And when the troops came to arrest David, she told them he was sick and he couldn't get out of bed. Let me just stop for a moment and tell you the problem that I have with this passage is what does a man of God have with an idol in his house? Why does it seem common for the man of God to have an idol in his house? But when Saul sent the troops back to get David, he ordered, bring him to me in his bed so I can kill him. But when, when they came to carry David out, they discovered that it was only an idol in the bed with a cushion of goat's hair at his head. Why have you betrayed me like this and let my enemy escape? Saul demanded of McCall. I had too, McCall replied. He threatened to kill me if I didn't help him. Now notice this. So David escaped and he went to Ramah to see Samuel. And he told him all that Saul had done to him. And then, notice this, and then Samuel took David with him to live at Naoth. Now this is important to us. But before I begin to give you the application, before I begin to explain to you what, uh, what I'm trying to, to, to get us to, to tonight, I want you to understand the context of the time. Now, we're not talking about a modern-day society. We're not even talking about a contemporary society to the time of Christ. We're talking about a great season before that, many hundreds, of, if not thousands of years before that. And, and when we're talking about this time period before the time of Christ, we're talking about a brutal collection of warlords and Bedouin chieftains that have, have gathered together. And, and, and some of the things that they would do were extremely violent. Some of the exchange was even body parts or, 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 or someone would take someone's head from off of their shoulders and, and send it somewhere as a sign of their, their triumph in battle. And I want you to understand that this passage of Scripture that I've, I've just read to you is an excerpt from a seven to eight year struggle. I want you to get this. It's a seven to eight year struggle between King Saul and King David. 
You see, David would be the next king. We know the stories, but as Saul tries to hang on to something that he's already lost, can I tell you something? Too many people have already lost something they're trying to hold on to, and it's preventing them from moving on with their life. My goodness, I've never had this thought before, but I'm just going to share what just jumped into my heart. What if, what if Saul had said, you may take the kingdom, but I'll still serve the Lord? What are we trying to hold on to in our lives that, that we, maybe we no longer need to try to carry, but God is saying, come unto me for I am worth more than what you, what you think dictates who you are in your life. You see, God had already told Saul, your kingdom is finished because you were willing to compromise to hold on to something that you didn't earn and you obviously couldn't handle. But all that Saul knows is that he was a nobody before he became king. And he will not let go of his throne, even if it cost him everything. By the way, it eventually did cost him his entire family. And here's what I want you to understand tonight. That we should not compromise our character to hold on to images of our own glory. Let me say that again. We should not be willing to compromise our character to, to hold on to images of our own glory. I heard a pastor say one time, he said, when you talk about Shamgar and how he defeated the Philistines with an ox goad, he said, do you know what the goad did the day before uh, uh, Shamgar took it in his hand as a weapon? It, 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 it prodded oxes along. Do you know what happened on the day he used it for a weapon? It won the battle. Do you know what happened on the next day? It prodded oxen along. You see, too many times we, we taste something that we want to hold on to and we like the taste of glory and we'll let that taste of glory define who we are instead of letting God define who we are. You see, it wasn't an ox goad that brought the, uh, the, the victory in that battle. It was God who brought the victory. When he stepped out and Shema declared that the Lord Jehovah is here with me. And because God is here with me, I can face any troop that comes against me. And my, de my definition of who I am is not defined by what I can accomplish with what's in my hand. But my definition of who I am must be defined by who God says that I am. You see, our text today picks up in Saul's pursuit of David. His hope was that if he would kill David, then somehow it would establish his throne and crown forever. Now, I've always had a problem with what this text implies that seems to go against Scripture. But the reality is this. Once we peel back a layer of the translation, we realize that there's a lack of clarity in the original translation. A revelation that reveals something about the character of David. Now, just let me ask you, how many of you have ever heard it said that a, a girl marries a man just like her father? Well, as that's been true so many times, and thank God not every time, but true so many times, what we see here is that, that McCall has sought a man that reminds her of her father. For you see, her father found his identity in a crown, but, but when we look a little deeper at David, what we find is David is also struggling with identity issues. It keeps him fighting to never go back. He never wants to go back to being the forgotten son who wasn't even invited to dinner. 
History tells us that when David wrote the words, it says, in sin I was conceived, that what he's actually referring to is that he was the product of his father's concubine that was kept out at the sheepfold so that when his father would visit the sheepfold, he had a concubine out at the sheepfold and so that David was not considered actually a full son by most of the rites that it would seem. And so David was not even bothered being invited to dinner. So imagine how his life had changed God had chosen him and God had, God had used him and God had brought a great victory through his hand. But he never wanted to go back to the sheepfold. He never wanted to go back to the wilderness to where he lived in obscurity. So he's struggling with identity issues. Let me show you what we find now. Now again, let me remind you, we're not talking about a modern society, but rather this brutal group of Bedouin warlords. With that said, here's my problem with this passage. David is called in Acts chapter 13 in verse number 22 says this. After removing Saul, he made David their king and God testified concerning him. Notice this. I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart and he will do everything I want him to do. Now notice this. He's a man after God's own heart. But how could a man who's after God's own heart have an idol that he worships in his house? I struggled with this. This is what the scripture tells us is after the heart of God, that there's humility in his life. That, there, that he is reverent according to, I call uh, Psalms 18.3, I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise and I am saved from my enemies. He is trusting the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? These are all the characteristics that make him a man after God's own heart. He is loving. Psalms 18.1, I love you, O Lord, my strength. He is devoted. You have filled my heart with greater joy than with the, their grain and new wine abound. Psalms 4 and 7. In other words, he said, Lord, I don't care what they have to offer me. I'm yours. What business does somebody who has that heart have with an idol in their house? Now, I could turn this sermon now and preach it like this. God's been wanting to deal with the idols in our houses. But there's greater truth that I think we need. There's recognition that he, he says, I will praise you, O Lord, with all my heart, and I will tell of all your wonders. He knows why he's where he is. It's nothing to do with himself. He is faithful. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In other words, he said, I'm never leaving your presence, God. Psalms 23 and 6. He is repentant for the sake of your name, O Lord. Forgive my iniquity, though it is great. Probably the greatest characteristic of David that we can mark ourselves after is that when David was confronted by the prophet, the prophet didn't even make it out of the house before he fell to his knees and cried out before the Lord and said, God, clean me up, clean me out, God, and change who I am. Oh, to be a man after God's own heart. But why does this guy with a heart after God have a household idol in his house? Well, the answer, in short, it was a prompt to remind us of his past glory. Let me say that again. It was a prompt to remind us of his past glory. Now, let's peel back a layer on this. Let me show you how to dive into the word here. Let me show you uh, how to look in this. If we were to look at verse number 13 again, if we looked at verse 13, this is what we would see. It says this, then she took an idol, 
And most of your, your Bibles that are study Bibles will have next to that word idol a parenthesis, and there in parentheses you'll find a, a, a certain letter. Now in, in my uh, uh, Bible, we find there that she took an idol, parentheses B, and she put it in his bed, covered it with blankets, and put a cushion of goat's hair at its head. Now what that's telling me is that there's something going on in the translation here that I have not yet, uh, yet figured out. There's a, probably a, a translation error that I need to look at. And so what I do is I follow that B down to the bottom of the page, or if you're on a, uh, in, your, in, in your electronic Bible, you follow that hyperlink, and when we get to the footnotes, this is what we find. B, 1913. The Hebrew here is teraphim. I want you to get this. This is super important. The Hebrew word here is teraphim. It's also found in 19 and 16. Now, what is a teraphim? And so the Bible has been translated that she took a household idol. But instead, what we're finding is that it is a teraphim. And a teraphim, very interestingly enough, is a mummified head. Now, I've grossed you out a little bit, okay? But it's a mummified head that is plated with metal. And as it is plated with metal, they would take this mummified head and put it upon the house of their wall. Now listen to me. And they believed that by putting this head on the wall, as it were, that it could speak oracles over their life. It could speak positive things into their life. And so they would find most often the head of a great warrior that they had fought and they would then have it mummified, plate it in metal, and stick it on, its, on the wall of their house. I said it would be gross, but stay with me because we're just as gross. Now think about this for a moment. This makes so much more sense than a man who honored God to have a false idol that he worshiped in his home. But what, what was this teraphim? What did he, what was he doing? Why was he having it hanging on his wall, reminding him of a past win? Now, if you're still having trouble with this, think of it no different than an Emmy, maybe sitting on the, an actor's uh, 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 mantle or an Oscar sitting there. Maybe somebody who's into fishing has a, has a, a large fish uh, on the wall. I'll never forget one time in my life, I, I walked into a house and there was this massive, beautiful uh, uh, saltwater fish on the wall and I, I was just awed by it and I looked up at it and I, I said, I said, that is the prettiest fish I've ever seen. And the woman said, you like that fish? I said, yes, I like that fish. She said, that fish was, it was the most amazing fishing day you could have ever imagined. I said, well, it's obvious, it's gorgeous. And she said, it's yours. I said, excuse me? She said, the fish is yours. I said, ma'am, I don't want your fish. I was just admiring the, 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 the artwork of it. The, the mastery is it's most often a plaster replica, you know. And, I, and I'm admiring the, the replica of this. And she said, no, no, you don't understand, young man. The fish is yours. I was with my, my father-in-law, and he leans over to me and said, take the fish. She's my boss. So I said, well, I guess I have a fish. 
So they took the fish off. You're not supposed to have someone else's victory on your wall, but they take that fish down, that replica off the wall. I'm carrying it out, and she said, young man, do you want to know why I've given you that fish? I said, well, honestly, I'm really wondering right now. She said, that fish belongs to my ex-husband, and he's going to be so mad when he finds out you took his trophy. Come on, amen. I thought, man, I'm glad I don't know that joker. He'd be tracking me down. Now, so I want you to get that it's not really as strange as it sounds, even though it, it, it's still strange, but stay with me a moment. It becomes a shrine to your past glory. They would enshrine this mummified head, put it in metal, stick it on the wall, and it would become a shrine to their past glory. Now, Scripture is plain that it's a teraphim. It's a mummified head. So where would David ever have acquired a large enough head that after it went through a mummification process that they could put it in the bed and think that maybe it was actually him? Where would he have ever gotten a big enough head for that? I'm thinking about it, and then I realized something, 1 Samuel 18, 51 says this, then David ran over, pulled Goliath's sword from his sheath, and David used it to kill him, and he cut off his head. Now watch this now. He takes that head, Scripture tells us, and he goes to a Jebusite stronghold known as Jerusalem. He finds a rocky hill. My goodness, I feel the presence of God. He finds a rocky hill there on the side overlooking the Jebusite stronghold of Jerusalem. He digs a hole on the rocky hill, and he plants the head of who? Goliath, and Goliath's head is planted in the earth on a rocky hill overlooking Jerusalem. And then I began to understand why he had to bury it there for it to be mummified was because the head of the giant represented fallen man, the Nephilim. It represented fallen man. But watch this now. Then the Bible reminds me that it was on a rocky hill that they took an old rugged cross, and though the enemy might bruise his heel, Jesus would crush his head now. Stay with me now. But that's why that had to happen. But somewhere along the way, stay with me now, somewhere along the way, David goes and gets that mummified head. Grossed out anybody? I don't know. But he's got that head he has it plated with the finest gold or the finest silver that can be found. He takes that head and he puts it on the wall of his house. Are you with me? He puts it on the wall of his house. As he gets it on the wall of his house, something begins to happen. David starts sitting and looking at that, that, that trophy of his past victory. And every time that Saul would give him a hard time, he'd go home and he'd be sulking and he'd be upset. And he'd be trying not to go back to the sheepfold. So he'd look at that head on the wall and he would build himself up by looking at his past success. Watch this. He would sit there and remember his glory days. When he would feel inferior, he could measure this accomplishment up against anyone around. When he felt worthless, he could stare at the face of somebody that he had stared down and that had made him become somebody when he won the victory. 
Can I tell you, my goodness, I feel the Holy Spirit in what I'm about to say to you, that Goliath did not make David somebody. What made David somebody is when he learned to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords on the backside of a desert, and he found his identity to become a king, not in a victory he won by his own hands, but he found his identity to be a king by finding out how to connect with the presence of the living God. Now let me just... Can I just diverge for a moment and I'm almost done? But listen to me. You go, Pastor Don, that's just silly. None of us have mummified heads stand, sitting on our walls. Can I tell you what this has been exposed to us? This, this, this virus, this, this shutdown, it's, it's made people who their status symbols suddenly have been shaken because they're no longer meeting their quotas at work. They're no longer working in a team. They don't know who they are. They're locked in their houses. They don't even know how to identify themselves by all the markers of success that they've had and they're wondering who they are. Can I tell you what God's wanting to do to prepare us for the trembling, to prepare us for the move of God? He's wanting to say stop worshiping the success of your past. Stop worshiping the things that you're finding your identity in. Can I tell you what your identity is? You are a blood-bought child of the living God. You are a righteous generation, a holy people. My goodness, you have been chosen for such an hour as this. I can't believe God would let me live through a day like this. Let me tell you, we ought to step up and say, thank God I'm living through a day like this. Why? Because I don't find my identity in this world, but I find my identity in whose I am, and he will make himself known in this hour. Amen. Glory to God. I know most of you are watching online, and I thought about, they said my little grandson was, this morning jumped up on top of the ottoman at home and said, may God bless you at the top of his lungs, and then he screamed, somebody say amen, glory to God, hallelujah. I thought, we're getting started young. Can I tell you something? I don't know what's to find you, but I know that God sent me with a message to tell you it might be in the water here in just a few weeks, or it may be on your knees tonight, but let what's to find you fall away. You know what? Riches will pass. Fame will will cease. Money will be gone and all of your youth will fade. But the favor of the Lord that I would dwell in the house of the Lord forever, that's who I am and that's what defines me in the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. God's good. God is good to us and his favor is upon us. But I thought to myself, it's not just the good days that are talking from the walls of our home. It's the bad days also. Some of you, every time you think you're going to get ahead, you go home and you think, oh, I got a word today. And you look up and your sin is trying to dictate who you are. Your addiction of the past is trying to dictate who you are. Your struggles of yesterday are trying to dictate who you are. You listen to me tonight. I had no intention, zero intention of yelling when I was preaching tonight. I have failed, so I might as well stay passionate for just a moment. 
The reason there's passion in my soul is because when the Lord dealt with me about bringing this message tonight, I saw people getting free. I saw people getting delivered. I don't know what's defined you. I don't care whose negative words have shaped your future. Who, what, what step parents stood there and told you, you'll be like your sorry daddy or you'll end up like your sorry mama. What, what, what parent told you, you're worthless. Who walked out on you and who tried to define you and no matter where you go in your life, you can't get away from that talking head no matter how far you run, you listen to me tonight. You are not defined by the things of this world. You are defined by the blood of Jesus. And you are defined by this great truth that God, yet while we were in our sins, loved us enough that he died and he went to a cross for us that we might be free and we might live forevermore. In Jesus' name. So I don't know what's been speaking to you, but I know this. God sent a loudmouth preacher tonight to speak louder and to tell you, you need to listen to the voice of God. Let me prepare to close tonight. You see, we're doing nothing more than carrying around talking heads when we allow what we have accomplished to define us. Nothing should define me but the promises of God that are within me. And you're going, Pastor Don, you don't understand the life that I've lived. <laughs> you don't understand the failures I've carried. You don't understand the scars, rejection, and pain, and the struggles with abandonment that I've dealt with in my life. But I'm still standing. Not because of who I am, but because he's never left me and he's never forsaken me. In my darkest hours, he's called to me. In my darkest moments, he has spoken hope to my soul. And so tonight, I want to speak to you. Right where you are, I wonder what you've allowed to define you. In a time when people could barely get a haircut, in a time where we didn't know if what we needed was going to be at the store or not, and where we definitely couldn't even go to work. Everything we built our lives around suddenly was shaken. We wondered, we feared, and we listened to the talking heads on the walls telling us how we should feel. Can I tell you, you need to get along with Jesus and let him show you how he wants to make you feel. Every negative addiction, every negative struggle, every talking head in your life needs to be quieted. There's a rumbling in this house. There's a moving. You may not measure up to anybody else and stop trying because Jesus has come to where you are and he wants to identify you as his own. This is the blood of Jesus that washes us clean and makes us whole. Everywhere I travel around the world, people have said to me, Pastor, is the revival preaching the gospel? And I said, you haven't been there yet, apparently. Because this is our great hope. The water can't save you. The water can't even heal you. It's just tap water. But the power of Jesus will save you, deliver you, and heal you. We are simply in a move of God that doesn't define us, but his presence 
is refining us every day. Father, I thank you for this day. Lord, I'm convicted by your spirit. How dare we declare that people shall be free and not give them a moment to be free. That right now in the name of Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I thank you, Lord, that victory comes to all who declare, I will find my identity in Christ. Those who will declare, I am not my past. I am not even my present. I am a child of the King. And though my world may not look like it, He's working all things for my good. And when I see it, it will be better than I expected. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen and amen. God is good. Wow, what an incredible word, Karen. Pastor Don Allen once again. say this, say, I turn from my wicked ways. I turn from them and I decide to follow you. See, right now, right where you are, the presence of God is filling your home and he is telling you that you're valuable, you're precious, and that you're worth saving. Perhaps even some people, Karen, today has thought that they're going to end their life. There's no hope. You've lost your job. Your marriage is falling apart. Your children no longer will call you or spend time with you and you feel completely exasperated, completely at the end of yourself. But Jesus is here. It's not a mistake that you are right now watching us tell you that Jesus loves you and has a plan for your life. I want to encourage you to put this email close by. I want you to go to Pastor Todd at KingdomReady.tv and share with us your prayer requests. And I promise you, I read every one of them. I pray our team prays. We seek you, uh, seek the face of God on your behalf. So that's Pastor Todd at KingdomReady.tv. We'll pray for you. We want to help you any way that we possibly can. You know, I think this period of time that we've been through as a country and as a world has been a wake-up call, mm-hmm. not only for uh, the believer, but also for some of you that don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, just like you were talking about. Todd, this is a time of salvation. This is a time uh, to reach out reach for God. He is the answer. He's the only hope. And I think about a lot of times how in the world people live their life without the Lord Jesus Christ. You may be asking, 
what would happen to me if I were to get deathly sick and even pass? What does tomorrow bring? Where is my hope? Well, your only, your only hope for hope is in Christ. Yeah. And for the believer, it may have arrested you to locate yourself where you are in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Are you at a three? Are you at an eight? Are you at a 10? And it has been a wake-up call. So I don't want us to waste this moment. Let's locate where we are, whether you're not born again, you don't know the Lord, or that you're a believer, but you're lukewarm, you're cold. Allow this to, to wake us all up and locate us. And let's make some adjustments in our lives and make some final decisions that could determine your eternity. Yeah, I want to encourage you to rewatch the message that Pastor Don Allen just preached, uh, Heads on the Wall. What a timely word. And for those of you that are just now tuning in, let me give you three important dates that you're going to want to put on your calendar. Uh, these are significant, significant days. One is we are opening up again, reopening, if you will, the North Georgia Revival, June 21st. That's Father's Day. And Karen, we know church history that that is a powerful day. That's when the Holy Spirit fell in Brownsville, uh, in Pensacola, Florida. Literally, you know, it just happened to be that that's the date that we chose, the 21st. We want you to make plans to come. Bring your family, bring your leaders, load up the church vans, get here. And again, June the, 20, uh, June the 21st, Father's Day at 6 p.m. The revival will be back open and we're going to be baptizing that night. Now, the next date is when David Hogan will be here at the North Georgia Revival, but he's also going to be here at the North Georgia Revival Men's Conference, Karen. That's August the 8th. I'm telling you, this is going to be crazy good. <laughs> it's going to be crazy good. Listen to me, ladies. Your, your husband, your son is going to come home different. We're going to encounter the presence and power of God. He's going to receive prayer multiple times during the day. And I, I cannot wait. That's August the 8th. There's a $20 registration. So we want you to go to Eventbrite or you can register at cfchurch.tv, cfchurch.tv. And then on the 9th, David Hogan will be with us the a.m. service at 1030 and also at 6 p.m. at the North Georgia Revival, the second time he's been here. Right. Uh, wow. And then he'll be here Monday night as a stay over for two hours of teaching on literally on how to walk in the power of the Lord. Mm. And then also, also September the 14th and 15th, our North Georgia Revival Pastors Conference with John Kilpatrick and David Giamona. And he's going to be here. The whole uh, North Georgia Revival host pastors are going to be here as well. And get your leaders here. If you're a leader, you don't have to be a pastor or own staff, but if you are a leader, we want you to be a part of this. Now, there is a registration fee. And again, you can go to Eventbrite and uh, eventbrite.com and register. Look for the North Georgia Revival Pastors Conference or cfchurch.tv. I wouldn't miss any of these events if I were you, especially, well, I mean all of them, especially though the Pastors Conference. I just want to speak to leaders for a moment. In September, go ahead and make your plans to be here. Those two individuals that are going to speak are kingdom generals in the body of Christ. And they're not going to tell you how to grow your church or uh, how to be successful in, 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 on our gauge. They're going to bring a now word to leaders. Since we've walked through what we've walked through, everything is adjusted. And as I said a moment ago, it's locating not only believers, but it's also locating pastors and leaders. And they're going to challenge us. Are we doing what we need to do to prepare the body of Christ for this to happen again? If this were to happen again, if there's another type of a catastrophe or a tra tragedy, yeah. are we ready? 
you know, I talked to Pastor John Kilpatrick, and he, you know, he's going to be talking about the glory of God. He's going to be talking how to host the presence of the Lord. What attracts God to a church? That's why every leader, not just pastors, Karen, and staff members, but every leader needs to get here. And there's an early bird registration. So if four people come, the fifth person comes free. Four people register, they pay the registration fee, the fifth person comes free. So come as a group. Then uh, Colonel David Giamona is going to come and talk about how to prepare the church for the end times. How to prepare the church for the end times. How to pastor during this season that we are in. I'm telling you, you do not want to uh, miss this. And uh, it is a blessing to have those two people with us uh, for uh, September 14th and 15th. Well, I know we got to get into the baptisms, and it is week number 48 that we're going to show you tonight. This is a week of power. I'm telling you, it is a week of spiritual demonstration where people encounter Jesus in the water. Uh, You don't want to go anywhere. Watch it all the way uh, until 9.30 Eastern time tonight for the next two and a half hours or so. Watch it and enjoy it. So let's go right now to North Georgia Revival. Baptism week number 48. God bless you.